Too bad. Long day at the office. Um, yeah, long day at the office. Um, yeah, but uh, all in all, a pretty, uh, pretty decent day. So, well, it's good to hear your beautiful, lovely, wonderful, amazing, stupendous, gorgeous voice. Oh, thank you. It's nice mm-hmm. to hear yours too. <laughs> um, so we're gonna do straight out of context part. Two, Woo. and on deck for today, we have a couple of verses that we are going to go through uh, in their proper context, and hopefully, we're not complete heretics. So, uh, yeah. And if you haven't listened to the first straight out of context episode, we would encourage you to go back and listen to that. That sort of um, introduces this mini-series um, and Josh's idea behind it and behind the title as well, which I thought was pretty clever. Why, thank you. Uh, yes, so go ahead and uh, go back to part uh, part one. It's somewhere back there in February or January. I don't even remember when we recorded it, but it's it's there somewhere. If you look through the Regenerate Millennial Podcast playlist, you will find it. Seek and you will find. Ooh. Oh, maybe there's another one for a future episode. Maybe, because I'm pretty sure you just took that out of context. (laughs) I totally did. (laughs) However, today we are going to be focusing on uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. Um, And what's the other one, my friend? Matthew uh, 18, uh, 20, was it? Yes, correct. Yes, okay. So uh, we're going to start. We're going to start with Matthew 7, 1. And... This is a big, big, big verse. Spencer, would you, what would you say to this statement? I would, I would almost say that, I think I said this on the last um, Straight Out of Context, which was about Philippians 4.13. Um, but man, this one's probably misquoted even more. What do you think? I think this first one is probably misquoted more than any other verse in the Bible yeah, in our uh, current cultural moment. Yeah, yeah, I I do too. Well, w- great. So we agree. This therefore, we're right <laughs> because it's been seriously abused. It's a real victim. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Of ad hermeneutics hmm. and yeah. principles of uh, biblical interpretation. Yeah, it it definitely is. Um, so, folks at home, uh, we would encourage you uh, to get out your Bible, open it up, follow along with us. 
Um, we're going to have some cross references. We're going to, we're going to back up what we're saying with the Bible because that's the authoritative word of God. Um, and you know, anything that we say in this podcast, check it against the word. If you don't, don't agree or something sounds, sounds off, uh, open your Bible and, uh, and see for yourself because uh, our desire here, Spencer and I's desire and the regenerate millennial podcast desire is to honor the Holy scriptures as the authoritative word of God in the absolute best way possible to the best of my and our abilities. So um, amen, and amen and amen. Yeah. So if we're off on something, we want to know Jordan, if you're listening, <laughs> now he's going to rebuke us that's right get a big big rebuke on uh sunday um so let's dive into it my friend uh matthew 7 1 judge, judge not. not that you be not judged yes okay so spencer um i can pretty much uh do whatever I want. Uh, I can just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And then I can go, you know, pursue the desires of my heart, um, uh, pursue a life that is all about me and what I want to do. And I can serve my flesh and I can sin here and there. And maybe I'll feel a little bit bad about it, but Hey man, you can't judge me because Jesus (laughs) said, judge not that you, that you not be judged Spencer. Uh, Totally. So who are you to say that I can't live with my girlfriend? weekend and be watching things uh as part of you know in habit that i shouldn't know i shouldn't be watching uh, you know trying to garner all kinds of wealth and just serve my own life build my own little kingdom here and and make sure that that joshua is number one don't judge me bro <laughs> <laughs> well who am i uh to tell you that you're wrong well, I'm nobody, and in and of myself, I have zero authority uh, to tell you that you're wrong about anything. Um, but my authority is not based on um, anything other than the Word of God, um, the inscripturated revelation of the one true and living God um, that is the Bible. And... Uh, something that we have to know about Matthew 7, 1 is that it doesn't mean um, that we are not to make moral evaluations. It doesn't mean that we cannot show discernment. And uh, that's something that we have to be clear about. A lot of people use this verse, um, especially, like I said, in our current cultural moment, when this uh, verse has been widely abused, uh, many people use this verse in an attempt to silence their critics. Um, like you were just attempting to use it to silence me uh, for potentially confronting you and your sinfulness. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people use this verse to mean you don't have the right to tell me that I'm wrong about anything. Uh, But like I said, it's not um, a command which forbids us to make moral evaluations or to show discernment. And we have to consider the larger context of this passage and of the book of Matthew and of the Bible as a whole 
uh, to realize that that is not what Jesus is saying. So immediately after Jesus says, do not judge, Matthew 7, 1, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. That's Matthew 7, verse 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. So a little later in the same sermon, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. By their fruit, you will recognize them. That's verses 15 to 16. So the question arises, how are we to discern who the dogs are, who the pigs are, who the false prophets are, unless we have the ability to make a judgment call on doctrines and deeds, right? So Jesus is giving us permission to tell right from wrong. He is giving us permission uh, to make um, moral judgments. Here, even in this passage, Matthew 7, where he says in Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. So it's not a blanket statement um, where Jesus is saying, I can use this verse um, and throw it back in your face anytime you even attempt to um, confront me in my sin or rebuke me or uh, tell me that I'm wrong about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus, well, he, exactly. He gives us permission to to judge right from wrong. Um, and I love, I love that you pointed out Matthew uh, chapter 7, the same chapter, obviously, and later on in verses 15 or 16. Uh, you will recognize them by their fruit, he says, about false prophets. Well, recognition... How are you going to recognize someone by their fruit if they're a false prophet? Well, you you have to you judge, judge you them. To, exactly. You judge what they're saying. You weigh what they're saying against the scripture. And if what they're saying does not align with the Holy Bible, the word of God, you throw it out. You throw it in the trash where it belongs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, In verse 3, Jesus says this, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So how do you take the speck out of your brother's eye? Well, first you have to uh, repent of your hypocrisy. If you're committing the very same sins that you're calling your brother out for. Um, And in fact, if that's you, then you have no right to confront your brother uh, with regard to that particular sin. If you're committing the same sin. Yep. Um, But if your if your hypocrisy is 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 has been taken care of, um, and and uh, it's out of the way, and you've repented of it, and um, you're no longer committing that same sin um, that you're confronting your brother about, then you do actually have a right, according to Jesus, to to judge, because the only way that you can cl- uh, take the speck out of your brother's eye is if you confront your brother, uh, rebuke your brother, say, 
you're wrong about this. Um, you need to repent. This is sin according to the scriptures. Um, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, uh, to go along with that, um, Jesus actually tells us uh, how to judge. Um, this, is, this is from John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus says, Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. So either Jesus is completely contradicting himself, and as we know, the word of God does not contradict itself, or we have to look at the context of, of what he's saying. Um, and I have another cross-reference, actually, to go along with uh, the one I just shared from John chapter 7, verse 24, and it's uh, just in the chapter preceding uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, and it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, and Jesus, here's an instruction that Jesus gives in cha uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So, stop judging according to outward appearances, rather judge according to righteous judgment. So, when we are to judge our fellow believers or something that's being said from the pulpit or perhaps in the name of, of Christ or in the name of God, um, we judge according to righteous judgment. And how do we do that? Well, we open, we open the word of God and we see if what is being said or what is being done aligns with God's law and aligns with his um, commandments that he has laid out in his scripture. And if it doesn't, then we judge according to that righteousness, to, according to God's righteousness, not our own. Yeah, totally. No, that's good. I had that one written down as well. So superficial judgment is wrong. If yeah. you're judging someone uh, harshly um, and critically based on appearances alone without um, investigating the facts, you're, you're jumping to conclusions. You're not really seeing um, the whole picture. Um, then, then you're wrong, right? Then yeah. you shouldn't be um, casting judgment on that person. But if you know, um, that they're they're saying something that is blatantly wrong um, or they're involved in um, something that is explicitly sinful that has been clearly condemned by the scriptures, um, like clearly pointed out as being sinful in the scriptures, then that's righteous judgment according yes. to Jesus in John 7, 24. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. We're, we're talking about harsh and un, unforgiving judgment as you are already, uh, shared and alluded to in, um, in, uh, verses, f uh, four and five, where he's talking about the speck in, speck in your eye, or, and sorry, the speck, uh, in your brother's eye and taking the log out of your eye first. Um, and in the verse, right after uh, Matthew seven, verse one, where Jesus says, judge not that you not be judged. 
in verse two, it says, it, Jesus says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be, you will also be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Like that's a, that's a pretty, uh, pretty intense warning. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're going to judge someone based out of pride, like an attitude of I'm better than you and, and let me come to you and tell you where you're wrong so that I can hold it over you. This is the warning that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter seven, verse two, uh, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Yeah. Uh, like and, I said before, it's, it's hypocritical judgment, which Jesus is clearly condemning. Exactly. Um, exactly. If we're, if we're, if we're pointing out the, the failures of others while failing in those same ways in our own lives, um, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter two, verse one, therefore you have no excuse. O man, every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge practice the very same things. Yeah. So if I'm calling you out for, um, uh, stealing while I'm stealing, then I'm a hypocrite. And my judgment is, uh, condemned by Jesus as being, the sinful kind of judgment that we are prohibited from engaging in. Yes. But making moral evaluations and saying that something is sin because the Bible says it's sin is not the kind of judgment that Jesus is saying we shouldn't engage in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, because it's, it's a, it's a judgment, um, a discernment that is based out of, god's law and god's standard not our own Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's one of the big pieces here with this verse is we're we're looking at don't judge out of your own standard because the measure that you use or the or the standard that you use that's going to be used against you yeah and the only standard of of true law um is of course God's law and it's the only perfect and holy standard. And I I love what you said, Spencer, like who am I? Well, I'm an, I'm nobody. But when I, when I come to you as a brother um, or when I'm looking at something that's going on in the world and I say, no, that's sin. We're passing judgment. And that's a judgment that we're absolutely um, not just allowed to pass, but actually instructed on on how to pass. Um, but when we, when we come out of our own morality and we say, oh, you know, you're doing this, this, and this, and you know, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. We can look at what, what God says about that in, in James uh, four, uh, chapter four, verse six, where, where it says God opposes the proud. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if we're coming at it in a prideful kind of way, God is going to oppose us. And the measure that we use is going to be used against us. But if we come to a brother or, or we talk about something that's going on in the world and we, we use scripture and God's law, um, you know, we're, we're delivering the mail, so to speak. We're not, we're not writing it. Um, I got one more thing here to add, uh, just onto that. Uh, we're, we're absolutely to exercise discernment. Um, so when Jesus is saying, judge not, it doesn't mean like anything goes kind of thing. Um, and a, a great verse I thought for that is uh, 
First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, which says, But test all things, hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. And how do you stay away from every kind of evil in the first place unless you know what evil is? Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah, the only way to know what evil is is to look into the scriptures to see what God says is evil and what God says is good. And mm -hmm. uh, in doing that, you're learning how to judge between yeah. what is right and what is wrong, what is sinful and what is righteous. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, Spencer, but, um, you know, when I was growing up most of my life in church, it, uh, jud God's judgment against sin was not a popular preaching uh, subject. Um, but it's very much the opposite uh, of what the Bible actually says to, to preach. Uh, for example, when Paul was speaking to the elders at the church uh, at Ephesus, um, in Acts chapter 20, verse 27 to 28, this is what Paul uh, says to the elders, to the pastors of the church of Ephesus. Uh, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Well, the whole counsel. Okay, so we gotta we got to hit every point here is what he's saying. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders to care for the church of God, which he, that being Jesus, obtained with his own blood. Yeah. So we're to preach the whole word regarding, and that includes regarding uh, sin. Absolutely. To call out sin and to call others, just like we have been called and are still called, to repentance, to, mm -hmm. to repent and to to do a, a 180 turn away from our, our sin. Jesus wants us to judge. Yeah. <laughs> but he wants <laughs> us to judge insightfully instead of superficially. Um, yes. Based on a thorough knowledge of what the scriptures teach, as well as a thorough knowledge of uh, the situation at hand if you're confronting a brother or sister in sin, for instance. And he wants us to judge humbly um, instead of hypocritically, making sure to take the log out of our own eye first before uh, we even attempt to take the speck out of our brother or sister's eye. And he mm -hmm. wants us to judge um, lovingly and compassionately and gently and mercifully instead of harshly. Um, Titus chapter three, verse two, we are always to be gentle toward everyone. So he wants us to judge empathetically, uh, compassionately, gently, not harshly. And he wants us to judge um, not self-righteously, but realizing that um, in and of ourselves, apart from the grace and mercy of God in Christ, we deserve condemnation. We deserve hell. We deserve wrath. We deserve eternal judgment. So um, it's not that we're not oftentimes even required to uh, approach a brother or sister in sin, uh, because that is actually the loving thing to do. 
but the way we um, maintain a humble, loving posture, demeanor, tone um, in in those interactions is remembering the gospel and where we would be without Christ and what we deserve apart from Christ. So exactly, Jesus wants us to judge, but uh, like you brought up in John chapter seven verse twenty four, he wants us to judge. Uh, righteously or with right judgment. And yeah. uh, that means not only um, right knowledge, but also a right heart attitude, which has to always be rooted in the gospel. Mm, exactly. Um, and I don't have the, the verse uh, reference right in front of me, but um, Paul in Corinthians uh, is in it, chapter 13, I think could be wrong on that chapter. Um, yeah, where he says, you know, if it, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, if if I do all these spectacular things, like he's talking about speaking in tongues and all the, all these uh, kinds of um, spiritual gifts, but I don't do it in love, I'm like a resounding gong, and I think that that can absolutely be applied to this as well. Yeah, um, uh, I do have. I do have a, a verse that I thought would summarize this really well, but I don't, if you have anything else that you, you had it that you wanted to add, I don't want to, uh, you know, pre, uh, prematurely cut you off here. Oh no, that's it. Okay. I think, I think Galatians, uh, six verse one to three, uh, is a great summary to go on top of what you just said, which I also think is a great summary to, uh, to our first verse of the day here. Um, Galatians chapter six, one to three, says this brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself i think that's a a great kind of summary to the, to the heart of Matthew uh, seven, verse one, judge not lest you be judged. Right. Agreed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> next verse. Amen. Next verse. Let's do it. Okay. So the next one, um, this is one that, uh, you know, just personally in my growing up, uh, I heard this one a lot and I, I never heard it in its proper context until about probably, oh, less than half a year ago, I would say. Um, and you know, I'm 30 years old, so <laughs> that's probably not the greatest thing, but here we go. Um, folks at home listening, we're going to, we're going to go to our next verse. Um, it is Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. And it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Wow. Okay. Let's dive into this one, Spencer. Let's do it. Okay. So, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Does, does that mean that when I'm alone that I don't have God with me? I think so. I mean, it says pretty clearly here uh, where two or three 
are gathered in my name, there am I. Right. Among. So if it's only one believer praying and seeking God alone, then it's pretty obvious, at least based on this verse, that uh, God isn't there with that believer. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, there's really no point in praying and seeking God's face at all and in a group <laughs> um, where there's, or at least one other person with you. Uh, that seems to be pretty clear, you know, based on this text. It it does. I'm a literalist. I take the Bible literally. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Okay, I guess we're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So if you take this verse totally out of context, I mean, that's that's one way definitely to take it out of context. Um, obviously, we're kidding. Obviously, God... Obviously, if if you're in Christ, your body is actually a temple, a tabernacle for the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you. So God is obviously with you wherever you wherever you are. You can't get um, away from the presence of the Lord if exactly. believer, because like Joshua just said, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did what did David say again? I for this one, I don't have the exact verse in front of me either. Um, even if I decept, descend to the to the depths of the earth, uh, there you are. Um, yeah, you, you can't you can't get away from them, mm-hmm. no matter how how hard you try. And I got to tell you, where friend, shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend mm-hmm. to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. That's Psalm 139. You can't get away from God. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a very good thing. Oh, yes. Reassuring, comforting thing. But um, it's true, though. Like, I've heard this uh, countless times. You know, like, you'll be in a small group gathering, and the leader of the small group gathering will be praying. And, uh, you know, the prayer will go something like this. Um, Lord, uh, you know, we, we're, not, we're not a big group. Like, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of us here. Uh, but we're, we're just so thankful that uh, you're here in our midst. Uh, you said, Jesus, that where two or three are gathered in your name, uh, you're going to be there. So we just, you know, we're so thankful that you're here with us because it's like, okay, that's, that, that, that prayer is essentially implying that if um, it were just the small group leader all by himself, alone in his living room, um, with his Bible open in his lap, praying and seeking God, then God wouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So just like Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 is often uh, misquoted and misapplied and ripped kicking and screaming out of context in the culture, uh, Matthew eighteen twenty is often um, misquoted, misapplied, and ripped kicking and screaming out of context in the church. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and that's definitely one way, uh, uh, you know, I've heard it been taken out of context, but I think there's, I think there's even, uh, there's an even bigger, bigger picture to this one. Cause 
you know, at the same time, I think most, most Christians would say like, Oh no, like, of course God's with you when you're alone. Of course he is. Of course he is. Um, but this verse I've also heard, heard used like, you know, if, if, if two or three are gathered, um, there I am, there I am among them, but it's used with verse 19, which precedes 20, where, uh, where Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven mm. for where two or three are gathered in my name there. I'm among them. So the major way I've heard this taken out of context, I'm sure you have to Spencer is when night verse 19 and 20 are combined together. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done. Woo. Okay. So I'd really, Spencer, really like a billion dollars. Would you please agree with me? that uh, that would be a good thing for me. And, you know, we can just pray in faith and, uh, you know, agree together as one that uh, a billion dollars has come in my way. Oh, yes. That and would just mine, be great. And I definitely agree with that. And so it will be done by our Father who's in heaven. Perfect. Amen. Okay, check your bank account. Is it there yet? E- no. Ah, uh, yeah. Mine still is it didn't uh, work. a little... Mine's a little bit less than $1 billion in my bank account. God has failed us. Well, is his word not true, Spencer? What's going on here? His word isn't true. He can't be trusted. I'm oh, out. man. I'm out. Yeah, the billion dollars wasn't wired to my bank account. He didn't come through Shoot. for me. Yeah, well. And we prayed sucks. the prayer of faith, agreeing together that we would receive a billion dollars. Yeah, and we didn't. So, I guess that's it. God doesn't exist. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Now let's let's tackle let's tackle the the proper context here. Um, what and, is the context of this passage? Oh well, you know what? I'm so happy that you asked. Um, so you know how our Bibles are. Uh, are split up into these little paragraphs. You know, the books have these little paragraphs and they have maybe a little title over it. Um, I don't know about your Bible that you're looking at. Um, oh, and by the way, the, the titles of the paragraphs are not the inspired word of God. So, um, but sometimes they help to add a little bit of clarity. So the, uh, the verse 15 to 20, here's the context we want to look at is Matthew 18, starting in 15, ending in 20. Um, And the little header on the paragraph in my Bible says, if your brother sins against you. Mm. Oh, okay. Again, it's not inspired, but it does help bring some clarity and it gives a little bit of an indication on what uh, the context might be. So um, how about I'll read 15 through 20 all together. So we get the context and uh, maybe you can uh, jump off from there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. So, starting in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Oh, wow, this actually goes a lot uh, along with Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not lest you be judged. And now he's saying, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Awesome. 
But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Ooh, one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, a.k.a. an unbeliever, a.k.a. preach the gospel to him because he's probably unsaved. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Spencer, help us out. So it's pretty clear that the context of this particular passage um, is uh, church discipline. The, yeah. uh, the process that Jesus lays out for us in the local church um, to confront uh, church members in their sin um, in order to maintain the purity of the church. So um, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, which is the Pentateuch, so the Mosaic law, God says this, and this is uh, very helpful because I believe Jesus is alluding to it here in Matthew chapter 18. Deuteronomy 19.15, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That sounds really familiar. Yes, it does. Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Okay, so a good majority of the time, especially if you're um, confronting a, a true believer, even if there's some pushback, um, even if right off the bat they slough you off, um, it, they're, they're going to they're gonna walk away, they're going to think about it, they're going to be cut to the heart. They're going to repent. Um, and they're probably going to call you up and say, hey, you were right about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's step one in the church discipline process that Jesus lays out for us in Matthew 18, uh, verse 16. But if he does not listen, which sometimes happens, unfortunately, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Deuteronomy 19.15, only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Matthew 18.17, uh, if he refuses to listen to them, even after you've brought uh, one or two um, others along with you, then you tell it to the church openly, um, publicly. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So like you said, um, treat that brother or sister as you would treat an unbeliever. Um, lovingly, of course, um, but not uh, recognizing their profession of faith any longer. Yes. Um, as being legitimate at all. 
So when Jesus says um, in Matthew 18, 20, which is the verse that we're really looking at, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Um, and then I guess, like you said, the preceding verse, uh, verse 19 is really important as well because it is sorely abused. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Um, Jesus is basically saying here that when this process of church discipline is followed uh, faithfully, um, as it has been laid out here by Jesus, um, it's got the backing of God. It's got the support of God. It's got the endorsement of God. Um, so that's basically what Jesus is saying here. Yep. He's not saying, um, if there's only one of you, but I'm not present. And he's certainly not saying, if two or three of you agree on anything and pray um, the prayer of faith, agreeing in faith that it will be done for you, then it will be done for you, whatever it is that you ask. He's, he's talking about church discipline. He's talking about um, confronting fellow believers, or uh, you might find out that they are, in fact, unbelievers, confronting these people in their sin, um, purging the church of, of sin, uh, maintaining the purity of the church. That is what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. The, the purity of the church is at, is at stake in this, in this sense. Um, yeah, I love how you just, how you summed it up with that. That's exactly right. Like this is, this is the bride of Christ we're talking about. And the bride of Christ is to be pure. Um, yeah. obviously, you know, it, it's made up of, of us humans who are still, we're, we're regenerated, but we still struggle with sin with the old man, um, that Paul talks about in Romans chapter seven. Um, but at the same time, uh, this is, this is such a, a beautifully laid out instruction manual that Jesus himself gives to his bride. Like, here's how you how you care and take here's how you guide and take care of my bride. Um, and I love how, how Jesus says in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It's like, Hey, give him, give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, like give him the benefit of the doubt before you, before you bring other people into this or before you expose this to the whole church, just, just go to him. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother like beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love how he, he uses these, these steps where, where it still gives the, gives the sense of, of like, okay, you, you messed up, but that doesn't mean we immediately go and just tell the entire church. It's like, no, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's different steps and different levels to this church discipline thing. And, it's laid out beautifully for us here by the head of the church, Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... And this, this doesn't mean that we are uh, called to be um, nitpickers or heresy hunters or um, um, relentless fault finders. Yeah. Um, we're like you said, we're required to, um, give our brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. Always um, honor them, put them above ourselves, 
um, not always be uh, questioning their attitudes and their motives. Um, but when it's clear that they've sinned, um, then we need to care enough not only about ourselves, but about the integrity and the dignity and the purity of the bride. Exactly. Because the church is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be upheld. Yeah. And the way to do that is by um, making sure that sin doesn't sneak in and infiltrate the ranks. Because if it does, it can pollute the whole thing and corrupt the whole thing. And uh, so we need to be on guard against um, the insidious nature of sin, which often creeps in unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, And we need to do that in such a way that we're um, giving one another the benefit of the doubt. So that's not an easy thing to do, but that's why we need to know the Bible. And that's why we need to know each other. For sure. Yeah. Um, someone I, re- I respect and love a lot uh, uh, has said this to me. I've heard him say it a few times. Uh, with with the bride of Christ, uh, I start with white as snow and then I go from there. Like that's, that's really good. Yeah. That's what we give to our brothers and sisters. Like, hey, we start at white as snow and then we go from there. Um, Spencer, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to sort of add or chip in, but I, I do have a quote here that, uh, I'll end, uh, end, uh, the episode off with, uh, if you, but I don't, again, I don't want to cut you off prematurely. If you had anything else that you'd like to share or, or say on this verse, on this passage. Oh, you're so courteous. You're such a good Canadian. Oh, I'm such a good, I'm <laughs> such a good person. Just oh, give us the quote. Such a good person. You are. <laughs> In Christ. Uh, okay. We should do a podcast on are people good? Definitely. Mm. Okay. So the the quote is from Mark Dever, and it's about church discipline, which obviously goes along with our, our second verse here. And we'll we'll finish straight out of context, part two, with this quote from Mark Dever. He says, Jesus Christ founded and purchased the church with his own blood. That's Acts 20, 28. He's getting that from. And he builds it upon acknowledgement and faith in him as Messiah. Matthew 16, 18 is where he gets that from. This means the church belongs to Jesus and represents him to the nations. In this light, the purity of the church is vital. Rightly practiced, church discipline helps ensure purity. That's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, my friend, um, that is straight out of context. Part two. Um, Looking forward to part three, which uh, you'll be joining me for. And it's got to happen. It's got to happen. It's going to right now. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Maybe right now. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Bye. Bye, my friend. Love you. And uh, we'll, we'll see you pretty soon. I'm sure. Sounds good. Love you. Bye.
Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.